Today is Phil Mickelson's birthday. It's his 50th birthday. The man is 50. 5-0. He is exactly the age when most pro golfers call it quits on the PGA Tour. They go and play the senior circuit where life is easier. It's not so cutthroat, but not Phil Mickelson. Lefty continues to peg it against the best competition in the world. He continues to do things his way. He has taken on a role of elder statesman within the game. And today we're going to spend some time on that elder statesman with our seven favorite aspects about the greatest lefty golfer of all time, the guy whose nickname is Lefty, and a man who continues to just chase it in this crazy game. This is The Drop Zone. Dylan, today is Phil Mickelson's birthday. 5-0, the big 5-0. He's not playing this week. Probably because he's working on moving from California to Florida, but I imagine he's enjoying himself, even if he is, uh, he's, he's way over the hill now. He honestly seems to generally be enjoying himself, at least the Phil Mickelson that we see. So maybe that should have been category number eight, but Sean, what are you going to tell us about Phil? We're going to talk about everything that he has done, uh, share some fun Phil stories that perhaps everyone's forgotten and the favorite things that we like about him, I guess, the things that everyone loves about Phil. I've often called him America's golf dad or America's golf uncle, Uncle Phil. The guy has kind of played this really fun senior role, and he's just always been there. And we'll begin with the early parts of his career. The guy was one of the best amateurs of all time. Now, he's easily one of the best golfers of all time but it's easy to look at all the accomplishments he's made as a professional and forget that as an AM, he won three NCAA titles. In Division I golf, left-hander Phil Mickelson of Arizona State was bidding... This was a long time ago. When, when was Phil playing in college? This is before you and I were born. <laughs> Seriously. He won his first NCAA title in 1989. Woo. Playing in Oklahoma in the wind, he wins it at one over par. The next year... They play at Innisbrook in Florida, where it's hot, sweaty during May golf. By sophomore Phil Mickelson, the Sun Devils overcame an 11-stroke deficit on the final round of play to capture the 1990 Men's Golf National Championship. He does not win in 1991, but then he goes on and wins in 1992 at a very gettable California course, Poppy Hills. He wins at 1700. I wanted to win the golf tournament this week, and I succeeded. And that's, and that's the way I'm, I'm leaving the week. Uh, I just wanted to go out the right way. I wanted to win the, the championship and, and try and get ready for the U.S. Open. So he won three national titles? I don't think I knew that. Yeah, his game travels. It's crazy. One over, seven under, and 17 under are the three times that he won the NCAA title. One of the things that he also did as an AM was win the U.S. Amateur. Now, he won it at Cherry Hills. He won it in the same year in which he won his second title. So... Again, his game travels everywhere. One of the few people, he joined Jack Nicklaus. He was the first person since Jack Nicklaus to win the NCAA title and the USAM in the same year. He was incredible as an AM, but that says nothing of the fact that he won a professional event as an AM. When the tournament begins, US Amateur Champion Mickelson will be paired with Nick Faldo. Well, obviously I'm excited. He's arguably the best player in the world. Uh, he's won two of these in a row. I mean. He's just an awesome golfer, and to have the opportunity to play uh, one of the best courses in the world with one of the best players in the world, uh, it's just an honor. I mean, that to me is the the biggest thing, right? It's crazy. As an amateur, the one thing that you're essentially expected to not 
be able to do is compete with professionals. You're not even supposed to be able to hang in there. Got these great AMs go to the Masters every year. They get their doors blown off. <laughs> yes, they absolutely do. So the fact that Phil did this, what was this, 91? Yes, 1991. It was the Northern Telecom Open. And this is what I, I appreciate most about Phil is that he won this event, and that's a trump card for him because – you know, his amateur career is overshadowed because Tiger Woods very quickly followed him with three junior titles, three U.S. amateur titles, and won the Masters at 21. So, you know, Phil's amateur career is not appreciated, but the one trump card he does have is winning the Northern Telecom Open in 91. So it's pretty well known that he did this, right? It's well known. It's part of Mickelson lore, but... We don't exactly remember how he did it. He did it in classic Phil Mickelson style. The guy had a had a one shot lead, six holes to play, right? Mm-hmm. Makes an eight. Made an eight. Triple bogey. Drops down to three back. Somehow climbs his way out. Stiffs it on sixteen inside a couple feet. Stiffs it on eighteen. Makes the game winning putt. And all along, PGA Tour veterans, guys that have won other events, they crumble. And so he wins at twenty years old. And the best part about it all was there was this quote from Paul Azinger that followed. He said, I just want to make sure that he stays in school for two more years for the sake of our pocketbooks. Damn. Think about that quote. Think about that quote for a second. So, you know, Azinger might have been a bit facetious. He might have been, you know, saying it with a little bit of a smile. But one of the best pro golfers in the world said of an amateur, I hope that he stays an amateur so that we can continue to make good money on this tour and not have to deal with it. It's in some ways the opposite reaction when Tiger came out, right? Because at that point, Tiger had gotten so much hype that the pros on tour were like, yeah, look, this guy's good, but let's see how he actually fares against (laughs) the real pros. But I guess once you literally lose a tournament, a pro tournament to an amateur Phil Mickelson. I just, I think it's pretty incredible. And not only does does Phil win that event as an amateur, but he goes on to go back and play another in full season, another full season of college golf before turning pro. All right. Well, Sean, let's go from the beginning of Phil's career to the fact that it has gone on this long and is really showing no signs of slowing down. So Phil Mickelson is durable. This is the second thing we really appreciate about him. His only major injury came a long time ago, came in 1994 when he broke his leg skiing. Yeah, love that. You know, it's funny. They've now gone back and asked Phil about various injuries when, you know, things have happened around the golf world. Remember when Rory broke his ankle or rolled his ankle playing soccer a few Mm -hmm. years ago? Phil was one guy who came out and defended him and was like, look, man, you can't you can't live scared. Basically you can't stop living just cause you're a pro. These things happen. But besides that, Phil, whether it's his golf swing, his demeanor, his, you know, workout regimen or lack thereof for a while, he has just been cruising along. So think about Phil versus tiger. What they're five and a half years apart in age mm-hmm. every year since 1992, Phil has played at least 19 world ranking events. <sighs> One year he played 19. Otherwise, it would have been a nice round 20 or more. But that's every year. So he's played 676 total world ranking events in his career. So you you, you figure, oh, Tiger's played so much. His body's broken down. Tiger's played 411 of these tournaments. Phil has played, you know, an extra 60% 
more golf many, than Tiger. How many things in your life have you done 676 times? I don't even think you've played that many rounds, you know, in your life. Like, I, That's how many not times quite have true, you done... but the fact that he has played that many <laughs> sets of those are entire weeks. Those are weeks of his life. He's played, you know, whatever that is. That's like seven years of his life. I don't think that math is correct. But anyway, 676 world ranking events. He's only just now 50 years old. So he has just been packing those events in. That'll take Sung J.M. at least four more years to match that. (laughs) Um, But the other thing is now Phil has this Benjamin Button thing going on. Even though he's 50, it's not like he's meaningfully starting to look older or age. If anything, he's like doing this hip young thing. He got skinny. He's hitting it further. His driving distance just, yeah, continues to eke up. There's these funny like fitness things that he does now. And, you know, he's obsessed with hitting bombs. He's upset. He made the flip to hitting bombs. Now he's posting photos from Acadia National Park in Maine where he's going hiking. Like what world is this where Phil Mickelson, who was forever this schlubby guy and you know kind of like the dumpy counterpart to tiger who was the new age athlete now we have skinny six-pack phil like going hiking in maine i think he's got a little freedom i think he you know he's been a father this whole time and not that that's changed he just his kids are going on to college and phil isn't dad when he's at home all the time he's just kind of phil and so there's you know kind of more to the time away from golf that still resembles the purpose, which is golf. Yeah. I mean, really just shout out to Phil for keeping it like tight, doing what he had to do to still be playing golf so well at this point. And for also trying to battle against father time, which actually I think brings us nicely to your next point. Yeah. I was going to say there is a big, but here because the third thing that I have to love about Phil is he's just a little bit insane. Last 10 days, I've done what I call a hard reset to change and try to make things better. I have lost 15 pounds. I've done a six day fast with water and a special coffee blend for wellness. Maybe a lot insane, but, and also maybe the perfect amount of insane, but he's at least a little bit insane. And I think the majority of that comes from him being wildly confident. Now, When you watch Phil play golf, every single shot is possible, right? He's got a ridiculous short game, so any bunker is, you know, gettable. You can get to the green from any bunker. You can flop it from anywhere. You've seen him hit flop shots from the tight lines at Augusta. Anything is possible with Phil and his confidence. But I want to talk about what he's done to his body, right? He's gone into the occasional but significant fasting, He did it for six days last year in the middle of the summer, uh, in the middle of the heat, before the British Open, felt like he was playing like crap. He came back and he didn't play that much better, but he has lost 30 pounds since then, and now he regularly fasts. He fasted for three days in January before his PGA Tour season started. If I had to guess, before he came back, he probably would have fasted once again before playing in Fort Worth. He says that. The key to fasting is that it helps reset your immune system. Now, it doesn't help reset your wayward tee shots or faulty putter. I don't exactly know what it does for your golf game. But the guy's a little bit insane because where is this coming from? It's coming from Russian medical studies that (laughs) Phil has read. 
decades and decades old medical studies that he, he told me about. I just want you to think about that again. Russian medical studies about fasting have taken a 49 going on 50 year old golfer into a different phase of his career where he has dropped 30 pounds, is hitting the ball further, and he looked frail. Like I've said it on this podcast before, when I saw him at Riviera hitting putts in the beating sun, the guy looked old. <laughs> he looked older and skinny and frail, but he's smashing it. So I don't know, man. He is a little bit insane. Um, if you think about it, like I said earlier, it's so much confidence. Like he makes somewhat irrational decisions. I mean, you were there at Shinnecock where the guy chased down his putt that was flying off the green because he knew that he could use a loophole within the rules of golf. Like that kind of confidence, the fact that he tossed Tom Watson under the bus at Glen Eagles, the Ryder Cup, who does that? But Phil had some like weird foresight that he could grab hold of the task force that the PGA of America was setting up and he was cherished for it. So I don't know, man, the, the confidence is wild. The ego's insane. All of it's a little insane. I mean, to me, it's just like this full on commitment, right? Like when he goes into something uh, that he gave some quote to Alan Shipnuck when he wrote a profile about him a few years ago, saying that he was afraid to join social media because he thought that if he joined, <laughs> he would go like all in. And sure yeah. enough, he was a, a prophet. <laughs> Um, but it's just that complete commitment. So he doesn't just lose five pounds. He loses like 35 pounds. He doesn't just have a little diet. He just stops eating completely and just drinks like <laughs> coffee and water and that's it. All right, Sean, let's take a quick break so I can tell you about our friends at Roman. Anyone who has dealt with any medical issue knows the hardest part can often be the uncertainty. Who do you talk to? How do you talk to them? And who do you go see? And Sean, anyone who's dealt with erectile dysfunction knows how awkward it can be to talk about in person, but luckily there's a simple, convenient solution to get treatment without even leaving your couch. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need right from home. All you need to do is grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. There are no commitments, and you can cancel any time. So here's what you need to do. If you are struggling with erectile dysfunction, Stay at home and go to GetRoman.com slash DZ for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash DZ for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. All right, back to the action. I don't know. You appreciate Phil for going all in. And, Sean, we appreciate Phil for being a family man. You know, there's mm. there's some wild stories from Phil in his personal life early on, but once he and Amy really settled down, uh, you know, they've built a nice family life together, and they've been through some major times. Well, let's let's start from the beginning. They met in Arizona. She didn't really know much about golf. When Phil said he was a, a pro golfer, she thought he worked in a pro shop. You know, he was, <laughs> he was just that. a golf pro. And uh, according to an ESPN.com article, the first time Amy accompanied Phil to a golf tournament, she figured, quote, they would walk hand in hand down the fairway. And she was angry at him for not spending enough time with her, <laughs> which oh, I guess so kind of like, I kind of get that. You'd be like, oh, yeah, we're going to go prep for a golf tournament. It's like, oh, no, there's actually thousands of people here and you have to walk outside the ropes. So I don't know. They, they have 
had this kind of inspiring life. There was a course 1999 at Pinehurst when Phil was chasing that elusive U.S. Open and he was carrying a beeper with him in case Amy went into labor. She was supposed to beep him. And she did go into labor. She didn't beep it. Yeah. See, that's the thing that I I don't always buy into that story because it's like, if the beeper went off, why mm-hmm. did Phil, why did he continue playing? It didn't go off. She never beeped him, but she did go into labor. Or, but if it would have gone off, mm. would he actually have quit? So Phil and Amy had three kids, Amanda, Sophia, and Evan, and in particular, Evan had a, a complex birth. Phil talked about being in the the hospital room and wondering if he could lose his son and his wife in the same moment. And then this was like one of these moments where, you know, Phil, who seems so impervious to like the struggles of the real world, he seems to just exist in his own little atmosphere. But this was suddenly a moment where, you know, it could all just go away. And then, and then you saw that again uh, when Amy got breast cancer in 2009 and you know she's really stopped traveling she was such a fixture on tour for so long and uh she you know was flying to houston for treatment she stopped going to tournaments for the most part but then she did go to augusta uh with phil and with the kids for the 2010 masters victory which was such a moment Uh, i can't remember exactly what what did nance say that's a win for the family And that was, you know, full Nance, obviously. But uh, And then in more recent history, Phil, who wants nothing more professionally than a U.S. Open title, <laughs> skipped Aaron Hills to watch his daughter's graduation speech. And we think Aaron Hills could have set up pretty well for him as far as U.S. <laughs> Open venues go. Oh, who knows? You're forgetting that in Mar- at Marion in 2013, he left practice in philadelphia flew back to the west coast and then flew back overnight to philadelphia for the first round wasn't sure he was going to be able to make it in time but he was attending i think uh, would have been the eighth grade graduation so you know i i think it can be i think it's very commendable i think some people have tried poking holes in that aspect of phil's public life and so he's just kind of doing it for PR or is this guy really crazy? Like golf is more important to him than family. And clearly it's not like clearly at his core, there is something there that golf is frivolous at, at some point when family comes first. So I don't know. I really love that. And like I said, I've always kind of envisioned him as this like American golf dad and he's kind of lived up to it. I love it. I mean, he put his money where his mouth was at Aaron Hills, if nothing else. You know a guy that loves like the action as much as Phil, who's as competitive as that. God, he must have really wanted to play that U.S. Open, but he didn't do it, and that it says a lot. Yeah, and it was part of the end of him and Bones as a player-caddy duo. Mm. The fifth thing that we love, that I love particularly about Phil, is he is perpetually on the fence in... Uh, golf fans' eyes between being underrated and overrated. Now, Mm. whichever side of the fence that you tend to stand or sit on, it all probably depends on if you're a Phil fan, like at your core. If you like Tiger perhaps more than you like Phil, well, then maybe you think Phil's a little overrated, at least by comparison. Or if you're a big Ernie Els fan, you probably think that Phil is not the second best player of the Tiger generation. So this is your next thing that you love about Phil, that he's both? This is... 
that he's both. So Phil has won five majors, right? Three legs of the career Grand Slam, six second place finishes at the U.S. Open. Hmm. Only 16 other people have won three legs of the career Grand Slam. Only 13 players have ever won more majors than Phil. So by any measure of the championships that matter most, he is a top 15 to 20 player of all time. Therefore, he's got to be underrated. Hmm. That being said, Nicholson has never been number one in the world. A lot of people know this. It's kind of a fun little joke. I think Phil has even made fun of himself about it. But he's played the entire career, his entire career in the world ranking era and never been ranked number one. He's often been close. He came very close to stealing it from Tiger, but never been number one. Therefore, overrated. He's won 44 times on the PGA Tour. He thinks he could win 50 in the years from 1991 until 2019. He has won events that spans 28 years, 28 years of victories on the greatest professional tour in golf. That's a mark that is incredibly underrated. But think about his peak, right? We've had a little spout on Twitter about this recently, but you, t- you take every golfer that's ever played in the PGA Tour and you think about their peak, right? Peak Tiger and peak Rory and peak VJ. What was Phil's peak? What were the two, three best months of Phil's golfing life? And how did that compare to other, pl- other players? Well, <laughs> according to our friends at Data Golf, now again, this is not me. This is Data Golf. Phil's peak in terms of the strokes gained era, 2004 onward, was the 15th best peak. So that's not good. And during that time, the last 16 years of pro golf, Phil's peak came when he was just the fourth best player in the world. Now, he's, a, he's risen to number two best in their ranking before, but at his peak, there were still three players that were playing better than him. So basically, he was good, but not the best and not even second or third best at his peak. So overrated, right? Now, I'm going to finish with the longevity of his career. Mm. More than 20 years in a row of making Ryder Cups and President's Cup teams, which is incredible. Tiger Woods is a better golfer than Phil Mickelson, but he can't say that. Tiger does not have that little feather in his hat, and perhaps no one will. I mean, if you just think about the – first off, in order to do this, you have to be an American, and you have to be phenomenal at a young age and phenomenal at an old age. I mean, maybe maybe 20 years from now, Justin Thomas could pull this off, but Phil – made 24 straight Ryder Cup and President's Cup teams. He was always, always good enough to be selected, often making it on points. Jordan Spieth, like people were thinking, could maybe get this done at some point in his career, but he just is in the middle of some lull, and he didn't play in the President's Cup last year. So Phil, perpetually overrated, underrated, somewhere in the middle, and I love him for it. One thing Phil Mickelson can't do this week is help your fantasy lineup. But there is a stacked field otherwise at the RBC Heritage because golf is back. And DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of action with a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. So if you've never played DraftKings first, get out from under that boulder and see the new sports world that everyone else is living in. All you do is select six golfers within the salary cap budget limits, submit that lineup, and if those guys play well enough, you will make money. 
I'm trying to think of a more simple way of putting it, but that is it. Birdies are good. Eagles are better. Check it all out at DraftKings, but do it via the Drop Zone, via this podcast. Download the DraftKings app now and use code DZ during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes. That's code DZ only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Back to Phil Mickelson. You mentioned Tiger. And uh, the first time that Tiger and Phil squared off was in 1998. So, I mean, really they had squared off before then. They had been at the same, you know, junior tournaments, amateur tournaments, both Southern California junior superstars. But the two of them played together in a practice round in the lead-up to the 1998 U.S. Open. And uh, according to our boy Doug Ferguson of the AP... Where are you going with this? Phil won big, you know? So it wasn't just the match in Vegas. Phil took the first match, too, in 98, and afterwards... Phil made some photocopies of Tiger's $100 bills and left them in Tiger's locker. Wow. And he included he included a note that says, just wanted you to know that Benji and his friends are very happy in their new home, <laughs> which is so amazing. And it's, so, it's oh. so perfectly Phil. So that leads me to my next thing that I love about Phil are these legendary gambling stories. Phil is a gambler, uh, you know, a lot of guys on tour are, but Phil seems to be in the purest sense of he just loves having some action. You know, we talked about Michael Jordan on this podcast. It seems like Phil has a similar love for just going at it in competition with other players. He's had these longstanding Tuesday money games on tour, and, you know, he's brought new guys in under his wing to play with. Ricky Fowler, when he was young on tour, was a favorite playing partner of Phil. Keegan Bradley, of course, was was uh, in a similar spot, and they tell these hilarious stories. A lot of them, it seems like they hold back from really telling, but certain stories, you know, slip out. Like Nick Watney owed Phil Mickelson a thousand bucks because he lost a thousand at the British Open one year, and he, so he, you know, he brings Phil a thousand dollars in U.S. cash, and and Phil was like, "What is this? We're we're across the pond here. I need this in pounds." So, you know, you got to mind the conversion rate because instead of a thousand, it should have been 1700 bucks because, you know, they were playing for pounds. Dollars stunk that. (laughs) So, I mean, it's almost an endless list of stories. I mean, you hear about Phil on the set of Tin Cup, you know, with Cheech Marin betting the entire cast that he couldn't hit a flop shot over a tree while also standing against the tree. And sure enough, he did it. Uh, you know, I mean, the the trash talk, it sounds like, is, is endless. You know, I've asked some guys what their favorite Phil Mickelson stories are, and they're basically like nothing that we're allowed to tell you. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, Phil's gambling will continue. He's now, in some ways, turned into an enterprise with these matches with Tiger. And you get a little peek into what it's like to play with Phil, but it is certainly one of his most lovable qualities. Even if it's mm. gotten him into... Uh, a spot of bother here and there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, well, you, you teamed me up perfectly for number seven. The seventh reason why we have to love Phil Mickelson is that the guy is an entertainer. You talked about the matches. We just had the match number two, right? Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Phil and Tom Brady. We've got golf legends. We've got football legends. If you had to guess, 
Remember what you thought that match was. Who was the MVP? Who was the most fun entertainment-wise? Phil carried the whole thing, honestly. Yeah, he did. <laughs> On his back. Absolutely Tiger played it. the best golf. Peyton had some moments. Brady was like comic relief because he was so bad. But Phil absolutely carried that entire production. It was almost like in the middle, we were like, oh, crap, Brady stinks. Peyton is kind of, you know, he's kind of quiet. Tiger is silent. The weather sucks. We need someone to do something. And Phil's like, guys, I got this. And now I want you to think back to the first match. Match one. You know, we had $9 million on the line between Tiger and Phil. Phil is the one posing super goofy with the millions of dollars stacked up. He... Uh, in the run-up is having his various check-ins for HBO from his private jet flying en route to Vegas. Phil is the master marketer. He is the entertainer. And watching it for a second time, the second match, I left it thinking, maybe entertainment is Phil's true calling. Maybe (laughs) he should go into acting post-retirement, like when his time making birdies comes to an end. So it's something to think about, and I think you need to take it seriously. Now, there's this one story from the early 90s. This is before social media. According to the LA Times, Phil said that the most nervous he'd ever been was, no, not playing with Jack Nicholas. That's no big deal because golf comes easy. The most nervous he'd ever been was as a special guest at a Phoenix Suns game. This is how the story goes. Oh, boy. Nicholson was pulled out of the crowd by the Suns mascot. Now, this was during the Phoenix Open Week, so they knew he was there, and this is that big gorilla mascot. Yeah, do we ever figure out why it's a gorilla, by the way? Uh, no, I'm sure you could find out Yeah, somewhere on the internet. It's a different podcast, I guess. The gorilla shoves this basketball into Phil's stomach, and Phil says, I found out later I was supposed to give the ball back to the gorilla because the gorilla is going to do some big trampoline flying dunk. Mm-hmm. Well, Phil <laughs> grabs the ball. He runs, jumps on the trampoline, acts like he's going to do a gigantic dunk. Instead, he catches himself in midair, hits the ground, and he settles for a layup. Obviously, fans cheer for him, but you can only, like, you can't find any visual evidence of this. There's no photos, there's no videos, but you can just picture it, right? You can see Phil, that classic smile, just being a cocky son of a gun, just thinking, like, yeah, I'm pretty good at this too, guys. That is insane. Uh, <laughs> Imagine now. That would get 4 yeah. million retweets. The video of Phil going and almost crashing on an impromptu trampoline session. It would probably be a leading part of SportsCenter or something like that. No evidence of it, though? There's no, you can't find it? Nope. Uh, I need to try a little harder, but you mentioned the tin cup thing. Cheech Marin said that Phil won $1,200 just hitting a simple flop shot. Not so simple. It was a pretty difficult flop shot. But before people could even see the flop shot go over that tree, he had already grabbed the $1,200, which was waiting on the ground. Um, so you're telling me that this guy can't be an actor? Like, I think it feels obvious. People are going to want to have Phil... Uh, go into sports broadcasting, go into golf broadcasting, sit there in a booth and provide wisdom like Johnny Miller. You know how much of a ceiling that would be on his creative brilliance? I mean, look, here's the thing. Phil has transformed, I think, in recent years to the point where he has leaned into himself. Some people will say, oh, Phil has become like a caricature now. But I think Phil has just become... Phil. No, he's shown us who he really is. 
that was a dig on Phil for a while was that he was like inauthentic. He was a phony guy. But Phil, you know, at his best is now the guy that he is playing in commercials and on television. There's, you know, a series of incredible Phil Mickelson commercials. And actually, they start in 2008. He's mostly just funny recently. I think this is this is <laughs> like your, I know you believe in this, too. But you go back to 2008. Phil was doing these Crown Plaza commercials and, the, you know, they had a series of commercials and God, one of them is pretty funny. It's like a a meeting of people that Phil has hit with golf balls. And one of them was a 16-year-old kid, and it sort of finishes off the commercial because he says that he got hit uh, by Phil at the 2006 U.S. Open, and David Faraday gives him some shit. And actually found out this kid literally got hit by Phil Mickelson at the 2006 (laughs) U.S. Open. That was a real thing. It wasn't just an actor. But, you know, so there's these... This great commercial, um, but more so recently. So the guy that Phil Mickelson plays in this new Amstel Light commercial. Looking for this? Phil Mickelson. And he just delivers a couple of these money lines. He says, oftentimes when a guy hits the ball in the rough, there's something else in his life that's astray. Tell old lefty what's going on. How do you make friends, Phil Mickelson? And this is either like super self-aware because Phil Mickelson is one of the least accurate drivers of like the modern era or super not self-aware, which is even better. But, I mean, he's got this deadpan, entertaining way of talking. You know, he's the pitch man for Greenbrier, talking about Falcon. My family and I have traveled worldwide, but when we first visited the Greenbrier, we knew we found something truly remarkable. So much so that we're proud to be new property owners at the Greenbrier Sporting Club. From falconry to off-roading, with tennis, fishing, and unparalleled... And he can, you know, deliver these lines pretty straight, but then he can also, you know, be this Amstel light male friendship guy. He can be the the foot wedge police in this Barclays commercial. Foot wedge, huh? Phil Mickelson? Rule 13-1 of the rules of golf? The ball must be played as it lies? Does that apply today? The rough seems awfully rough, and is that rock permanent? Dude. How about the, the the office caddy for workday? The guy that's dancing out in the middle of a driving range from Mizzen in Maine? Come on. Fixing Scott Van Pelt's posture for this is Sports Center commercial. I want you to imagine a little string pulling your head up. Where's the string? You're holding a towel under your armpits. Eyes on the teleprompter. And I mean the Mizzen in Maine one is the one that everybody knows, but think about how absurd it is to be dancing in like this dorky dad shirt. We're seeing full Phil, and we're all better off because of it. And I think Phil is probably the best off because of it. Yeah, well, and if you look just beyond the commercials, which the guy's getting paid to do, he's getting paid to be goofy. I mean, he's created a campaign for himself on social media for his calves, right? (laughs) Like PGA Tour players, we have no idea what their calves look like because they're always wearing pants and most recently we started to see them wearing shorts and holy cow phil mickelson has the best calves in the sports world i swear it's crazy he he always tweets out he's got calves like adonis people tweet at him every single day about his calves (laughs) how like like two years ago today we did not have phil mickelson on twitter and if you told me two years from now phil's gonna have half a million followers on twitter he's gonna have almost a million followers on instagram and the main discussion is going to be surrounding his calves. <laughs> it's become his thing. He does fireside Phil chats in which he kind of just like digs into people and always has the upper hand. 
Like, the guy's an entertainer. I'm telling you, Dylan, he needs to go into acting. Yeah, I mean, whether or not it's acting or just continuing to make these amazing franchises that he sort of, like, stumbles through every few weeks on Instagram, we're all better off because of it. This has been, like, yeah. a second era for Phil Mickelson. It's been really fun to watch in a, in a genuine way. Like, think about how crazy it is that this guy is actually good at social media. Like Tiger Woods stopped trying social media. Most golfers never even dip their toes in the water. Phil Mickelson. You want to know why it's good? Why is it because good? social media is not going away. When Tiger Woods retires, he's going away from us. He's going to turn back up at the masters. He'll be there for the champions dinner. He'll turn back up at events that he is going to host, but he's going to leave us. Phil looks like he's going to be around for a while. I mean, like we're not going. We're not going to lose him. He's going to have wacky posts forever. You would tend to think when he turns seventy, he's probably going to do a fun, ridiculous interview twenty years from now. So that's my takeaway from Phil at fifty. Is like, holy cow, this guy's been a hell of a fun time from his amateur days to his days as a pitch man to you know the family aspects of just winning these majors and 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 putting family first, but being a phenomenal golfer who's underrated and overrated. I'm kind of wrapping up all our points here. The point is we're going to have a, a third stage of Phil. We've had stage one, stage two. We're going to have a third stage, and we just have to appreciate it. Phil Mickelson, happy birthday, sir. Here's to 50 more. All right, Dylan, what's on next week's show? Wow. Glad you asked, Sean, because next week we have a very special guest. He is the coach one of the best golfers one might say the best golfer in the world and he's here to tell us about what it was like to raise such a talented junior golfer that's all i'll tell you for now perfect thanks to you and thanks to lee finer our producer who expertly as you like to say produced this podcast and thanks to everyone else for listening that's it for this week's episode of the drop zone see you in one week